And so one of the things I keep trying to tell my black patients is if we really thought it was that, you know, dangerous, do you think all the white people would be rushing to go get it first? Do you think they'd be dressing up to go into the black neighborhoods to get this vaccine that's super harmful? No, they're fine. Some of them are like, if black people don't want to get it, so be it. So those of us who are out here trying to educate our community, I really care about what's going to happen to us as a community, as a culture in two years, in five years, in 10 years, when we actually see our numbers. We're already being desiccated by the, by the you know, prison system. We're already being decimated by other healthcare, you know, medical disorders. And now we're adding COVID to that. I can't even imagine what happens to us as a community. Welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast that gives you news you can trust for the culture. I'm your co-host, Jerry Keith Gaynor, Managing Editor at The Grio. And I'm your co-host, Shauna Pinnock, Social Media Director at The Grio. And this week we're asking, Dear Culture, are you vaccinated? So Shauna, before we get into today's show, What's on your mind this week? So, um, and really this started last month, um, a food influencer, you know, foodie blogger by the name of Angela or otherwise known as Miss Kitchenista. Um, you know, she started providing some, some receipts, you know, uh, about one Darius Williams, also known as Darius Cook's. Uh, on Instagram um, and Twitter and, you know, pretty much all of these places. Now, this has been, I'm not going to go through the whole rigmarole of like that whole story, but basically there are a lot of allegations against Darius that he is basically, it's pretty much, he's Joanne the scammer, honey. Okay. He, he, he's, he's a, a messy chick that lives for drama. Okay. This is what is basically happening. Um, there have been allegations that Darius has been, stealing recipes uh, from other primarily black women, um, food bloggers, not giving them any credit. Um, The recipes that he is still, well, that he's allegedly stealing and tweaking, I guess, to make them more of his own. Now me, myself, personally, I like real cooks don't need to measure per se, but you know, real cooks are also really aware of sodium content. Darius be throwing everything. Listen, there is a thing, Black folks, as over-seasoning. There is such a thing. Now, I've seen some of this. You know, he's over here talking about avocado tastes like grandmama used to make. Your grandmother never made avocado to- uh, toast, okay? She never made avocado toast. Stop stop the lie, sir, but cool. Um, you know, there's other allegations of him, again, just being an overall scammer, uh, you know, uh, taking uh, credit or, or debiting people's accounts for products and services that they're not actually getting. Um, you know, he's been accused by former employees of not paying them. He got accused of another former employee of like physically assaulting her, all types of stuff. Um, and and it, it, it just gets worse the more and more that you hear about it. There have been several businesses that he's opened and um, yeah, there's been several businesses that he's opened that have pretty much gone belly up. Like at this point in Atlanta, he is banned from starting any businesses. Like I think three of his businesses got, all got shut down by the state of Georgia. Um, as a matter of fact of like, you can't run no business around here anymore. You know, there's been all of these things. Kitchenista again has been posting receipts. More people have been coming forward and telling her like, yeah, he scammed me too. He has a situation with Sonny Anderson, another, you know, food network, big 
black woman foodie person uh, who she had him on her show years ago. And then all of a sudden people are like, Sonny, are you his business fresh to go or fresh go? There's very, very, a lot of different variations of the name, but they're like, are you with him? Because they're still debiting my account and I've never received a single order. I've never <laughs> received any of these things. And Sonny had to come out and denounce him. Uh, Kev on stage had to come out and denounce him because he had him on a show back in like 2019 talking about uh, talk to a millionaire because Darius claimed that he was a millionaire and was, you know, posting all of these little receipts and stuff from these businesses and, and pots and pans and all of these, um, you know, different things that he's selling. Uh, Darius found himself on Instagram live. He tends to do this often. Um, he goes on Instagram live and tends to he has a cult following, uh, mainly of other black women. These women primarily take to, it's very Stan culture. Like if they feel like you've said something against him, they're on pounce mode. They're attacking. It's damn near the beehive, but you know, for foodies. And it's, it's, he went on Instagram and started talking about this whole thing with Kitchenista, uh, we here at the Grill, we covered this story as it has been gaining traction. Black Enterprise covered the story, you know, et cetera. And he's on uh, Instagram Live with one of his friends. Uh, I don't know who this woman is. And apparently she doesn't know who the Grill is because she said that we give her media takeout vibes. Okay, sis, I can tell you what kind of vibes you give me, but I'm gonna let you rock. I'm gonna let you rock. Cause I do my research, but all right. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna let you rock. Cause it's not about you. It's about Darius. So Darius says, you know, Oh, black enterprise is going to uh, apologize to him. And they're going to print out this whole new story. And they're going to basically print a retraction. Black enterprise did a story, a whole new one that I believe it's called from recipes to receipts. And, you know, was asking him about all of these allegations, all of these things. First off, there was no apology. Shout out to Black Enterprise, Black Media. I appreciate you. And there were several points in time within the article where Darius is defending himself, but it just makes him look worse. Now, there was two instances in particular. Um, one where he says, towards the end of the article, where he says he has never had any affiliation with Fresh To Go, Fresh Go, all of these different variations. He's like, never, never. Here's a problem with that. When I Google, when I not even Google, when I Twitter search at Darius Cooks plus fresh to go or fresh go, there are still tweets up. Darius, if you don't, if, you, if you're not going to be honest, honey, you can at least delete. Um, there's still tweets up about like, oh yeah, well I'm, I'm, he, he was using Foursquare at the time. Y'all remember Foursquare and he was swarming and he was the mayor of the fresh to go building in Chicago. And he's like, I'm like, so that that's an easily verifiable lie, bro. But okay, cool. Now here's the other part that really kind of threw me for a loop. So Darius, if y'all don't know, Darius is, as he describes himself as openly gay. As part of this article, he says he defends his character and his businesses against the barrage of what he considers to be quote unquote, untruthful claims. This is Darius's quote. I think what's happening is it's the people who may not be familiar with my brand because some of the hate mail I'm getting, you know, stop abusing black women, keep your hands off black women. And I'm openly gay, but I don't come across as gay. So my speech, my mannerisms look to be that of a straight man. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna come back to that. Uh, so if you're not familiar with me, 
and you just see my content, you would automatically assume black man hitting on a black woman. In reality, I'm openly gay. I talk about sex and a lot of stuff on my Instagram. I talk about dating. I talk about things women want to discuss. I'm like their best friend. And uh, the writer of this article says, and it's that intoxicating personality that has earned the Chicago native his large following with black women who consider him to be the boyfriend bay next door. Darius, I don't know what what point in time whoever told you that you were like you were out here like masquerading as trade. No, dear. Never. Not once. Not once. Not once. I'm sorry. Not once. I saw you one time on Instagram and I was like, oh, OK, I, I know what time that is. No, sir. But even still, and this is something that I think we all need to take a moment in like process. So what are you saying? So what you're saying is that you as a gay black man, that there's no possibility that you could be misogynistic, that you can be abusive towards black women, that you could be all around problematic. You as a gay black man, you know what you are. You're still a man. You can still possibly be misogynistic. You can still possibly be patriarchal. You can still be abusive the same way how I myself as a black woman, I can say, oh, I have a ton of black, you know, of, of gay friends, of trans friends. And there, I would hope I'm not, but there could still be possibilities and times and, and instances in which I could be portraying homophobia and transphobia. It's not mutually exclusive. And I really need y'all to, 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 to get that in your heads that you sound, you sound dumb. You sound really, really ridiculous. Plus, as I'm reading through this article and he's like, oh, no, he doesn't he doesn't use his his audience to bully. But he's like, you know, but all of these people are claiming that I didn't I didn't pay them or they didn't get their products. But when I ask for first and last names, they're not saying anything. We seen what you did with Kitchenista. We seen what you did with Sunny. You sat up there and in the article, it says itself, it says that you decided to. Put Sonny's, use Sonny's name and I believe uh, Angela's name as well as coupon codes, as discount codes for some of your products. Like the coupon code bad wig as, as you're talking about Sonny because she decided to, to call you out. Like you're, you're, you're giving, you're giving liar, sir. You're giving, <laughs> you're giving liar. You're giving very untruthful and you're giving Oh, you're giving gross, 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 misogynistic, scammery vibes. Um, And I wish it wasn't that way. I would love to be able to just say, yo, go out there and support black people, support black businesses, support all of these things. But if you're doing harm, at the very least, that what you could simply just do is take accountability. And it's that lack of, account- of accountability that low key, you're, you there you are. Is that what you mean by giving a uh, straight man vibes? The lack of accountability? Mm. that's a word let's address that <laughs> but oh, what about wow. you that's a very confusing story <laughs> and I, I think when, when the story is that confusing there's probably a lot of lies in there uh but what's on my mind this week is uh a viral video of a uh, victoria's secrets karen now we've seen a lot of karen videos many of them make us angry i have to say this is probably the most outrageous Karen video I've ever seen. And I, w- I was just left really, I was very disturbed by this video. It happened in New Jersey at a Victoria's Secret. It was filmed by uh, Ijoma Ukenta. She is uh, a Muslim, a Nigerian living in New Jersey. And she was simply trying to buy panties. And she encountered a white woman who uh, there was some type of, uh, she came in, like in her personal space 
And she simply said to the woman who, who, who again is white, uh, she simply said, you know, hey, like, hello, like, you know, I'm here. And that led to an incident where the white woman is on camera uh, <laughs> charging at her to hit her. And when she realizes that uh, Ijoma is filming her, she immediately flips the switch and begins to cry, fake tears, by the way. And she's just, and, and she, she gets on the floor and she's shaking like compulsively. And she's like, tell her to stop filming me, tell her to leave me alone, tell her to go away. Um, right at the register of the store and the poor employees, I mean, like they didn't come to work to deal with that kind of nonsense. And they're looking at her like, we don't want to be bothered. And this goes, this goes on for quite some time. Um, and then eventually uh, the mall security comes. They don't seem like they're really, they, they want to be very helpful to, um, to Ijoma. And this woman, she's been later identified as um, a, a, allegedly a New Jersey teacher uh, by the name of Abigail. Um, and Abigail apparently uh, is also uh, the, the daughter of a police officer. This is a whole different you know, type of conversation. But it really enrages me because this was like peak white woman tears. Um, and when we say white women tears, we mean uh, fake women tears because she basically you, you, you wanted to um, use your, your white power to, to, uh, to, uh, to put down this woman, to attack her. You wanted to be attack her in the moment that the, you realized that there was evidence that you are attacking her. All of a sudden, you're the one being attacked. Um, and so this video, not only did it go viral, but it went viral on TikTok. And Ijoma's video was taken off TikTok. We, we don't know why. It's very suspicious. Uh, TikTok already got into some other issue with the algorithm uh, problem with, with racist uh, language. But TikTok took the video down. And so Ijoma had to go to YouTube to repost the video. And she even went to uh, the police department uh, because Abigail decided to call the police and press charges on uh, Ijoma for doing absolutely nothing because we saw it on video. Um, and so Ijoma is like now pressing charges against the woman and is also filing a, a complaint against the mall security and police officers for not helping her. They made it seem like she was the problem. And we've seen this so often uh, with black and brown people when they encounter uh, these Karens or these racist white people acting a fool. And it's like, when does it end? Like, when does it end? You can't even buy panties now without uh, being attacked and harassed. Um, it's just really, it's getting out of hand. And I think that this video is going to be, uh, is going viral because it's just so outrageous. We've seen the Amy Coopers, et cetera, et cetera. But this one, I mean, she clearly has, she, I wouldn't even say she has a mental health problem. I think that whiteness in itself, the, the idea that because I'm white, that I can do whatever I want, that black people are beneath me, like that's a sickness. It's not a mental health problem, it's like a spiritual sickness. And I'm glad that we're in this new age where people are filming everything, at least when it comes to these type of encounters, because if you don't film it, there's no proof and no one's going to believe you. And then you're the villain. Um, and then possibly you're the one facing criminal charges. I just want to say to the Abigails of the world, please stop. We just just leave us alone. We don't we don't want to do anything but live our lives. Um, it's just really it's really enraging. It's, I just it just has to stop. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. one thing that you, you you didn't mention about this video, but I really want to we have to we have to talk about it. There's a moment in time where 
the Abigail is little Abby is out here wilding out, right? She's a pterodactyl screeching in the in the the Victoria's Secret. And there's a white woman who's not involved in this at all, who turns to give me her name again. The lady who's uh, Ijoma. Ijoma. She turns to Ijoma and says to her, well, why don't you just walk away? Let me tell you something, white women. This is the problem right here. Why should her, her black tail have to walk away from anything when she's not the one who's the problem and she's not the one who started the issue? Why are you not addressing your white sistren to calm her expletive down? Like what? This is what we said. This is what we mean when we're like, y'all are complicit. It is complicity and it's wrong. And you're no, you're no better than Abby, as far as I'm concerned. You're just Karen Jr. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, <laughs> please stop. After a dreadful year and a half dealing with the effects of COVID and promises that a vaccine would aid in stopping the spread, vaccinations are finally here. While millions flock to get vaccinated to hopefully put an end to the pandemic and to get some sense of normalcy, others were hesitant. There are those who are firmly against vaccinations overall and others who are skeptical of the vaccine because the virus is still relatively new. Regardless of which side of the argument you're on, we have a very special guest to help you make an informed decision. So let's get into the show. So uh, I, I already know the answer to this, but just for our listeners, if, if they don't know, G, are you vaccinated? And why did you decide to get vaccinated? If you are. <laughs> I am vaccinated. And honestly, I couldn't wait to get vaccinated. There were a few people in my circle who had already gotten their second shot. And I was still kind of like taking my time because honestly, I really wasn't going out too much. I mean, I did travel. We can talk about that later. Uh, but there were, most <laughs> of the time I just worked and stayed home. And so I wasn't really rushing to get it. But it got to a point where... I just wanted my freedom back. You know, I, I think that while I did travel ago, I went to Puerto Rico two times. I went to California. Um, I still had to wear my mask. And there still was, there was this anxiety around what if I catch it? What if when I go on the plane, when I go on the train, uh, what if I'm exposed? Um, there were times where I did let my guard down and, and I was with a friend uh, who I trusted that they were being safe but you just never knew uh, who had the virus and who didn't have the virus. And so for me, getting vaccinated was just to uh, calm and rid myself of that anxiety so I can just get back to normal and so I can move how I want to move without having to worry about contracting the virus. Now, I understand that there are a lot of people, including black and brown people, who's, who are still skeptical of, of getting vaccinated. They feel like they'd rather take their chances. And, you know, if I die from the virus and I die from the virus, my brother, I had a conversation with him recently and he's, he is, uh, he classifies himself as an independent. Um, and uh, he just, he just doesn't trust the vaccine. He feels like many people who are skeptics about the vaccine, they feel like the virus is very new. How can you have a, a vaccine so soon? Uh, so for me, I, I wanted to not only get vaccinated so far I can, you know, have my freedom back, but I wanted to be an example to family and friends who are skeptical that, hey, I did it. I'm fine. Um, I'm safe. 
it's now been about two months since I've been vaccinated and I have not tested positive for the virus. I have not had any uh, negative effects from the vaccine. Um, and so I think that it's important for those who do get vaccinated uh, to continue to encourage those to get vaccinated, but respect people's uh, opinions and, and their stances. If, if they feel like they still don't want to get the vaccine, that's fine too. But for me, I just, look, it was a long, tough year. And I just wanted to have some reprieve. I just wanted to be able to get my life back. And I have been, I don't wear a mask anymore. I, I wear a mask when I go in Ubers because that's their policy. But other than that, I walk around my new apartment community, um, walking past neighbors and chatting them up and talking on the elevator and walking to the grocery store and going to social events. And um, I'm not, uh, I'm, no, I'm no longer prohibited uh, when I go out, I can just do me. And so that, it was really important for me to just do that. Uh, but what about you, uh, Shauna? I know the answer, but are you vaccinated? Um, and why did you decide to, decide to get vaccinated? Listen, it's shot girl summer over here. Okay. Backing me up. Um, yes, I am fully vaccinated. Uh, I had the Pfizer vaccine. Um, basically as soon as I got eligible, uh, I was like, put, sign me up. Um, and you know, I've talked about it on the show a number of times before, like my parents live in the, uh, the apartment upstairs for me and seeing how many people, especially older black folks who were dying from this. I'm like, there's no way in hell that I'm not going to be vaccinated, uh, you know, and not and and potentially pass this thing on to my parents. Um, also, a COVID death looks miserable and lonely. A family friend um, lost his mom to COVID. And I mean, like, let's say his mother started feeling kind of sick on a Monday, got tested on a Tuesday. Uh, you know, found out that she had COVID by Thursday, she was in the hospital by Saturday, she was dead. Like it was that fast. Um, and it was terrifying. Uh, you know, I also had to be the shining example. I was the first person in my family to get the vaccine. And that was because my brother, my uncle, my grandmother, and my parents were all vehemently against it. Um, and I was, for me, I was like, listen, man, one of two things is going to happen. Either I'm going to be fine or it's just going to be the walking dead. And, and, and either I'm either, either I'm part of the, the apocalypse. Am I a zombie? You know what you got to do? Take me out. Are we out here? Do I got to be on Mama Shone? I don't know, but <laughs> I would much rather, you know, be able to, to be able to, to freely walk around um, and kind of do some of the things. I'm not back to, I'm not fully back to normal. I just went to my first movie. Shout out to Black Widow. I just went to my first movie this past weekend and still had my mask on in there when I wasn't eating my food and drinking my copious amounts of beer. Like, very careful. like, I, still, like I, I still had my mask on. When I'm on the plane, the mask does not come off. I will be on a six hour flight and not eat nothing because the mask is staying on. I go in the supermarket, the mask is on. When I'm walking outside, the mask goes on. Um, and really that's, it's more, it's, I'd say it's 70% COVID and 30% realizing I haven't, let me knock on wood. I haven't had a, a, a head, a cold in over a year, like a year and a half, bro. Keep the mask as far as I'm concerned. I ain't going nowhere. Listen, I went to Thailand. I saw in, in China, I saw a lot of them people walking around. <laughs> <laughs> with masks on. I said, you know what? They knew what they was doing. Okay. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, 
ain't no flu. There was none of that. Like, no, 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 no. They knew what they were doing. They keep yourself healthy. <laughs> but Jaren, let's go ahead and jump into our conversation that you had this week. Oh, it was so amazing with Dr. Florencia Greer Polite. Dr. Polite is an associate professor of clinical obstetrics and gynecology with the University of Pennsylvania's Perelman School of Medicine and the chief of Penn Medicine's Division of General Obstetrics and Gynecology. Basically, the girl has many jobs. She's been on the front lines of the discussion regarding COVID vaccines, speaking with Philadelphia's ABC Action News Station and more. Dr. Polite, welcome. Dr. Florencia Greer, Polite, welcome to Dear Culture. It's such a pleasure to have you, not only because you're bringing your expertise as a doctor, but you're also the sister to the Greer's very own Dr. Christina Greer, who is the host of the What's In It For Us podcast. So you're a Griot family, so welcome. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you, I'm so happy to be here. And I do feel like I'm amongst family. Yes, you are, absolutely. So let's talk about uh, vaccines. It's such an important conversation. Um, half, Nearly half of the country is fully vaccinated, but there are many people who remain very skeptical about getting the vaccine. And I wanna first ask you, where do you stand in this debate uh, that's currently happening, whether to get vaccinated or not? Well, I, that's an easy one because I stand very clearly with being pro-vaccination. I am a healthcare provider. I have taken care of patients in the last 16 months. I was a true, you know, frontliner. I was going to the hospital every day delivering babies because I'm sure you guys know during the pandemic, babies don't stop. They don't care if it's hot, cold, pandemic or not, they're still coming. And we were delivering pregnant women um, in the hospital and trying to find out how to provide appropriate care in an outpatient setting as well during the pandemic. And I had, you know, family members who've died of COVID as I'm sure many of our listeners do because most black people know at least one person in their family who's died of COVID. And I had a very close colleague who got COVID March 18th of 2020 and was intubated for 50 days and had a stroke and still can't practice medicine. So we have been mm -hmm. very affected by the pandemic as a healthcare specialty. And I'll tell you 16 months in, this is the first light that I've seen at the end of the tunnel and that's come with vaccination. And let's talk about the fears. You engage patients every day. Uh, what are some of the fears that you are hearing from, from everyday Americans as, as it relates to the vaccine? So what's interesting is, you know, when we, let's say, you know, four or five months ago, when Black people weren't being vaccinated at the same rate, one of the things we didn't know was, was it actually, you know, vaccine hesitancy or confidence, or was it actually access? And now at least, you know, I, I practice in Philadelphia, access is not an issue anymore. You have walk-in clinics in almost every place where you could get it. So at this point, if people are not vaccinated, it is actually because they have made an active decision not to be vaccinated. And a lot of it that I've found as I talk to my patients is actually about miseducation. Unfortunately, there are a lot of sources that are playing to our fears, playing to the years, right? The years of mistreatment of black people at the hands, quite frankly, of the healthcare system. And so we're playing into that by giving false information. Um, the second part is that many people don't wanna be among the first. And I think that's also misinformation, right? When I talk to patients about that, most people don't know that 3.5 billion with a B doses of the vaccine have already been given out. So when they say, I'm just waiting, my question is at this point, what are we waiting for? It's not, it is not the same as when I got vaccinated on December the 16th. 
when this vaccine hadn't even been available for one week. And I was doing that for my patients, but I was literally at, at, to me, you know, I was in the grandma prayer circle <laughs> to make sure that things were going to be okay because I was hopeful, but we didn't have the data that we have now. And at this point, we do know the vaccine is safe. That's actually not to be debated. But what we have to make sure is that people understand how we know it's safe. And we have to, we have to talk about the J&J timeout. We have to actually acknowledge, you know, sort of where we have been with the vaccine. The, the third part is, um, I still think there's just an issue of, of trust and compassion. Um, and what, you know, what lies at this intersection of to be vaccinated or not to be vaccinated is actually to me to be vaccinated or to get COVID because that's where we are. And that's where we've actually been, which is, you know, we're in the summertime where people are outside and not masked. And that's better than in the fall when we in the healthcare system are actually expecting higher rates of COVID to go back up. We're expecting the Delta variant to continue to do what it has done, which is to ravage the unvaccinated communities. And so those are sort of the big three, and we should talk about all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned this uh, briefly, the J&J vaccine recently, uh, there was a report that it is linked to uh, a neurological like disorder. And all it takes is one bad headline to, uh, to have someone say, see, that's why I'm not getting the vaccine. What do you say to those who are concerned about health factors um, in getting vaccinated? So first off, I would say, let, again, we have to really talk about the risk. So the risk that I was talking about with the J&J vaccine was actually the risk of blood clots, where they had the one in a million young women who got a blood clot. Now, that rate still warranted to me a chance for us to say, let's take it off the market. Let's actually do the due diligence and then decide that it's safe. But even that rate is like, more rare than having a blood clot on a birth control pill. Right. So some of it is literally risk assessment, which, quite frankly, all of medicine is risk assessment. When you take a Tylenol, you have to think, is this one Tylenol going to actually help me with my headache or is it going to cause liver damage? Right. One Tylenol is not going to cause liver damage. We know that. But any medication has the potential in a quantity to do something untoward. And so we have to figure out what's the risk and what's the benefit. And this is actually the same. What's the risk? What's the benefit? And so the risk of being vaccinated is fever, chills, a one in a million chance of something like that if you are a young woman. The risk of lupus, the risk of, of um, you know, changing infertility, those things are slim to none and slims on vacation because those are actually not true risk of the vaccination. The risk of COVID we know is real, like real, real. We even know that mild COVID has long-term issues with memory with GI or the gut systems, with the cardiovascular systems. So everything should be an assessment of how likely is this going to happen versus how likely is that going to happen? And that's what we're actually not doing when we have these conversations about the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And what can the government do to alleviate some of these concerns to make sure that Americans are, are feeling comfortable getting vaccinated? You know, that's an interesting question. I think We've made many mistakes in our governmental process from this, right? The first one is that we had a president who didn't believe in science. So we allowed this pandemic to become of astronomical proportions. And then you have to remember, we as a country are very individualistic, right? The idea that right now it's, well, if you're vaccinated, you can be without a mask, as opposed to other countries where just the rule is the rule, right? The rule is for everybody. (laughs) And that's how we actually try to get to herd immunity. We're nowhere near herd immunity in most of our communities. And so only thing I I think the government can do a few things. One is continue to actually truly try to put out 
public service announcements that give real accurate information in bite-sized pieces that people can take. But I think some of the information that's given is still confusing, right? It's like, well, if you're vaccinated, you can take off the mask and you're safe, but we're acting like people are actually trustworthy here who are actually unvaccinated, un unmasked, right? <laughs> like when I go out, I have a mask on and I'm vaccinated because I don't trust the people who are unmasked to be actually vaccinated. So we're, we're, we're giving these mixed messages and even the healthcare professionals are giving mixed messages because we know that what's out there is not what's said to be out there. To that point, I'm vaccinated and in DC, for example, here, um, the, the, the policy is pretty much if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. Are you saying that if you are vaccinated that you should still wear a mask? So what we've seen is that we still have some rates of COVID even in the vaccinated populations, right? There's no vaccine that's 100%. And so my concern is when you're out and about and you're unmasked, you are making the assumption that we're on the honor system. But I can tell you from who I know is unvaccinated that when I go out into spaces, I, know, I can literally point to people and be like, nope, they're not vaccinated. They're not vaccinated and they don't have on a mask. So that's what that's the piece that just worries me is this idea of the honor system. When we've proven as a country that we actually don't care that much about the other person. Right. Like my my sister gave me a pen that says I my my mask protects you. Your mask protects me. Right. We are actually masking to protect whatever comes out of your mouth from hitting the other person but we don't actually care that much about the other pe person, unfortunately. And so what would really be great if we cared about everybody is that we would agree as a community that vaccination is the best thing to get us out of this pandemic. But unfortunately, that's not where we are. And I'm not sure that we're going to be able to get there quickly, but I would like us to. And we all know the power of media. Do you think the media is being helpful or harmful in spreading accurate information about the virus and the vaccine? I think both. Um, you know, I said in a very early on piece to the Grio that everybody who is considered a role model should actually be out here talking about the science behind the vaccination, right? That's the doctors, that's the teachers, that's the clergymen, that's the rappers, anybody who actually has a voice. Do I personally care if LeBron James gets vaccinated or Jay-Z gets vaccinated? I personally don't as a doctor because I know I trust science from medical professionals. But I also know that there's a lot of black people who care, who are young, who don't have a relationship that's a one-on-one -on -one relationship with a physician. And they care a lot about what an athlete says or what a rapper says. I know some of the older people cared a lot that their clergymen were either encouraging or discouraging vaccination, right? So it's really important to me that we make sure that all the role models are actually stepping up to the plate. And that's also not something that's, that's happened here either. And my last question to you is about a, a recent report that I saw about uh, black children, Hispanic children um, disproportionately dying of COVID. And what, how can parents ensure that they are keeping their children safe as many children are not yet vaccinated? So again, a great question. The number one thing you can do as a parent to protect your child is actually to be vaccinated, right? So when we think about like how we bubble and how we protect the people around us, the number one thing you can do is to vaccinate as many people in your bubble as possible. Children, when they go out, have absolutely learned to keep on masks. They've learned to use Purell before they come in and out. But the, the same way the Black and Hispanic children dying at higher rates is the same way Black adults were dying at a higher rate, right? And that's for many, many reasons, race not being one, racism and systemic racism being the larger part of that. I, mean, I got my second shot of the vaccine on January 6th. And I remember that date very well, because as I came out of the operating room and saw what was happening at the Capitol, the first thing I thought was, 
this nonsense at the Capitol is actually going to make my educational work in the vaccine space more difficult, right? Because how is it that black people think we could actually have a different vaccine than white people? Because we're actually looking at what happens in two different Americas, right? And it was like, to me, it was directly correlated, not even indirectly correlated. It was directly correlated. And so one of the things I keep trying to tell my black patients is if we really thought it was that you know, dangerous. Do you think all the white people would be rushing to go get it first? Do you think they'd be dressing up to go into the black neighborhoods to get his vaccine that's super harmful? No, they're fine. Some of them are like, if black people don't want to get it, so be it. So those of us who are out here trying to educate our community, I really care about what's going to happen to us as a community, as a culture in two years, in five years, in 10 years, when we actually see our numbers, we're already being desiccated by the, by the you know, prison system. We're already being decimated by other healthcare you know, medical disorders. And now we're adding COVID to that. I can't even imagine what happens to us as a community. And so it's really important to me that I make sure that to the extent that we can make our, our, our folks feel comfortable with the idea that this is not a live virus, that is thus not something that goes in and changes our genetic system. It's not possible for it to do that. And thus it's not possible for it to affect us in terms of sterility and fertility. Like those things are super important that we know and that we understand. And I also want to talk about the Delta variant because it's been in the headlines a lot. Should we be more concerned about the Delta variant and what should we know about it versus the, the regular COVID-19 that we've been battling for the past year? So what we know about all viruses is that they mutate. The good news is that the vaccines that we already have seen on the market, the Pfizer, Moderna, and the J&J do actually um, cover the Delta variant, which is great. But what we have seen is that the Delta, the Delta variant is causing a spike in the numbers of coronavirus, and it is ravaging the unvaccinated community. And so, yes, people who are unvaccinated, the Delta variant is real. And we in the healthcare um, industry are actually, you know, bracing for an increase in the fall, specifically due to the Delta variant. And the truth is the variants will probably continue to mutate. That's what viruses do. And we'll have to wait and see, do the vaccines actually cover them? But so far, yeah, we've been able to cover all the different strains that have actually mutated from coronavirus, from the SARS-CoV-2. This has been very informative and helpful. Thank you so much. Uh, and thank you for your expertise and really for the work that you're doing on the front lines. It's really appreciated. That was awesome. I feel I, I actually learned a lot. That was that was helpful because I wasn't wearing my mask and now I'm going to go back to wearing my mask. <laughs> I'm, I'm vaccinated and masked and want to know as a gynecologist, weren't we, weren't we, why were we not masked before? I've decided, why was I not masked being six inches from somebody's vagina? Like, I'm never taking off a mask in the mm, like wow. ever, ever, ever. They will never see my skin in the off. <laughs> wow. But, I mean, the fertility mm. stuff. The fertility stuff is, I kid you not, guys, every time I'm on call, we still have a woman mm. who is intubated because of COVID with some babies at home, and we hope she make the back. And the last patient I saw, her, husband, her boyfriend was like, I'm good. I was like, what does that mean? And he was like, I'm good. I've had COVID twice. I was like, looks like what you're doing is working well. What the hell? I, right. the dumbest answer I've ever heard. I was like, you can't even tell me you think you got antibodies because you got it twice. Right? <laughs> so I looked at her and I was like, so he's going to be out in these streets getting COVID again and bringing mm -hmm. it now into your house where you all will not be wearing a mask. So what do you think about that? Like, that's mm -hmm. that's really where we are. Like, that's honest. That's where we are. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, Dr. Polite. And whether you choose to get the vaccine or not, mask up, wash your hands, and do all you can to protect yourself, your loved ones, and the rest of the world against this deadly virus.
We want to remind our listeners to support your local Black businesses and donate to your local organizations and religious institutions. The business that we will highlight this week is Miriam Medical Clinics. The mission of Miriam Medical Clinics, Inc., MMC, is to provide multidisciplinary, competent, compassionate, and accessible healthcare, regardless of ability to pay. MMC recognizes that there is a need for healthcare access to be provided to underserved citizens who, for any number of reasons, cannot obtain affordable care. In this awareness, there is also the appreciation that healthcare must be provided with a complete acknowledgement of the dignity, respect, and integrity desired by each patient. For more information, visit www.miriammedical.org. That's M-I-R-I-A-M medical.org. Or visit their offices at 1237 Spring Garden Street in Philadelphia. Thank you for listening to Dear Culture. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with everyone you know. And of course, please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments. We love those. To podcasts at thegrill.com. The Dear Culture podcast is brought to you by The Grill and executive produced by Blue Salusma and co-produced by Taji Sr., Brenda Alexander, and Abdul Kadus.